You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. I'm so excited because we get to talk about one of the things that I am not an expert at, but it's a good thing that I have friends because that I don't need to be. I am so excited because today I'm joined with Jen Herman. Jen is like Instagram everything maven. And I'll let her, I'll let Jen introduce herself even better than that. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on today. It's great to see you. You too. I know this is the the downside to not having conferences is we don't get to actually hang out and see each other because normally that's when we get to, you know, we go to an event, we run into each other, you can grab coffee, grab food, you get to spend time. But, you know, thank goodness for live shows. We can kind of do the same thing. (laughs) Yes, we get to virtually hug. So Jen, you are an author and your site is jenstrends.com. Tell me, and I interviewed you years ago for the Guided Goals podcast. So this is fun because, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Images (laughs) are still, they were more important than ever then. And now they're super important. Can you just backtrack people and just tell them how you fell into this amazing specialty? How you became Instagram gal? It it was not a plan. You know, I never woke up one day and said, Hey, I'm going to be an Instagram expert. Like that. This was not anything. I actually have two degrees in science and had no intention of ever doing marketing or anything remotely related to what I do. Uh, But life happens. And in the position I had a number of years ago, uh, at this point going on over eight years ago, uh, it was one of those things where we had to embrace social media and the industry that I worked in was a very difficult industry, um, military government type related thing. Getting them to embrace social media was not easy. And so all these challenges that I had to overcome and all these things that I was learning and how to you know, use them in that kind of environment, I was like, well, other people I'm sure could learn from this. And because, you know, I can't do just one thing, I launched my blog, um, which was a hobby blog. It was just for fun and it, there was no strategy. But in the process, I fell in love with this little app called Instagram and was like, well, how do you use it for business? How do you get strategic? And at the time, no one was blogging about it consistently. Everything was like, like more people and use filters. And I mean, now granted, this was also eight years ago when Instagram was much, you know, simpler than what we have today. But there was no tactic or strategy. And so I started blogging about it. Next thing you know, I'm ranking as number one on Google. I'm getting invited on podcasts. I'm getting invited to speak at conferences. And it became my thing. (laughs) So it's all learned through hard knocks. It's all learned through, you know, experience and diving deep and researching and testing. And I'm very fortunate to have people around the world who maybe get access to something in a beta feature. And they're like, hey, do you want to try it out? And either I can get access to their account or they grab screenshots and test things for me so that I can share more with more people through this wonderful network of humans around the world who make my job that much easier. But it really is just, it was something that I kind of fell into um, and it became my thing, but I love it. I love the people I get to work with and all the things I've been able to do as a result. Like you said, you know, writing numerous dummies books, uh, speaking at conferences, podcasts. I've 
had great opportunities because of it. And Mike Alton, who's one of your your peeps, one of your one of my besties. Yeah, and and he was on last week's show on blogging. Yes. Mike said he takes pictures wherever he goes. Yeah, and that way he's got his own stock of photos. And I think, well, first of all, it's brilliant, right? Because you need you can have your own pics or other people's pics. I know I'm like completely jumping forward no. and behind and whatever, but. but among other reasons, Mike's name was in my head because you're talking about you have all this support from people <laughs> everywhere. And I think the thing that, that cannot be impressed upon the most is the keyword in social media is social. Social. <laughs> it is, it, and it really is about collaboration. And, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, it's not how big of the piece of pie you're going to get because there's plenty of pie to go around right? So you preventing somebody else from getting some of the pie does not impact how much you get. So I love collaboration. And I've been lucky to collaborate with so many amazing people, including Mike Alton, who I love dearly. And we've been great friends for years. And yes, we've co-authored, you know, a book together and worked on numerous projects and things together. And it really is like, there's no way I can, I can't even do everything about Instagram. I don't even touch paid advertising because I'm like, I can't, there's only so many neurons in my brain that can take in so much information. So it is worth having those collaborative relationships with other people who are experts in other areas of your industry or in a similar, you know, parallel kind of environment that isn't a competition to you, but augments what you do and having those resources to be able to lean on, to refer your clients to, to be able to reach out to when you need you know, guest content on your website or someone to help you when you're working on your book or doing something and you need a foreword or any of these sorts of things, those relationships are really what's going to drive your your success and your business forward. It's so true. And I, I say this, I think probably every show, you can't reach your goals alone. You need your people. Yes. It, and especially with this one, I'm like, I know Jen's super busy, but I hope, I hope, I hope. And, <laughs> and here you are. And here and I am. Why are images such an important part of social media, marketing, and storytelling? Well, Im we images convey so much, right? I mean, a good writer can convey emotions and feelings and, and all of these unique experiences through good storytelling and good writing and a good video, a good movie can do similar things, but so can good photos, right? I mean, you take a photo in a bright, you know, sunny outdoor environment and you take the exact same photo in a dark, dimly lit bar, you have two completely different emotions. You have two completely different styles. Um, and that starts to translate into your brand. So how your visuals are composed, what filters you use, what editing you use, what lighting you use, what angles you use, all of these become part of your subliminal styled messaging. And that starts to attract an audience in and of itself, where everything you say is going to convey something, but people are going to connect emotionally with those images. And that is instant, right? A video you have to watch and form an opinion. A, anything written you have to read and form an opinion. A photo is instantaneous. You will immediately know if you like or dislike that piece. You may change your opinion over time, but you have an immediate reaction because it is such a quick response. And that tells you a story, a feeling, a communication of some sort in that very short blip of a, you know, bat of an eyelash sort of time frame. 
I love that. And this is why it was so important. So my theme this month has been storytelling. Mm. And we had to address images because yeah. it is another way. And, and so what do you tell people like me? I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram enough. I have templates that I use for everything. But but what do you have to say to people like me who need to do more on the image factor? What can we do? Well, I'm going to reiterate what uh, Mike Alton said, because anything Mike Alton says is just dang genius. So if he said it, we're all going to do it. This is just this is life's rule. When Mike Alton says do, you do. Um, but to your point that he brought up about taking photos, A, that you've taken so you own copyright on them, but B, anywhere and everywhere you go. So I always tell people, I'm like, if it's raining, like it was raining this morning, I'm like, go take photos of the rain. Take photos of your rainy window. Take photos of the wet sidewalk. Take photos of a puddle. You don't need it. That's okay. But in six months, when you want that mood, when you want to talk about the rain, when you want to talk about a storm and it's a beautiful sunny day and you're like, well, where am I going to get a good rain photo? Now you've got one in your arsenal tucked away in Dropbox. So it really is about getting in the habit of taking photos everywhere you go. I get to the point of probably annoying people who do not know me really well, because we'll be like, I'll be at the safari park with my daughter. Like, it, you know, it's a zoo and I will stop and start taking pictures of flowers. And she's like, really, mom? Or I'll be out with friends and we go to dinner and I'm like, oh, that building is really pretty. And I start shooting angles of the building against the sky or the sunset. And I have absolutely no need for it. But someday... I might need that image or something that conveys something that could be pulled from that context. And because I took those images, I know I have them. I own the copyright to them and they're my style. I'm not trying to blend a bunch of stock photos or other people's styles. I again have a very clear theme amongst my content because I'm the one that took those images. So hands down, just get in the habit of taking photos all the time. Once you start to do it regularly, it becomes routine. Um, I also tell people to get experimental, especially like from an Instagram perspective, rather than just standing there and going, click, get down really low, put your camera right up on the table, put it down on the ground, like stand up on a chair and get up really high, change your perspective so that you're not always getting everything from an eye level and if you've ever, especially if you're using smartphones, because mama don't use no DSLR and fancy equipment over here, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm just like a standard like smartphone girl. But if you if you just do everything from that that normal height, the cameras on the smartphones are designed to change the angle slightly, right? So it's almost a, per, a, a slightly deceiving perception. And that's why if you bring your camera down and you put it right up against the edge of the table, it's gonna pull those really long lines in a counter or the, you know, the long line of a railing or flooring or whatever it is, it starts to really change that perspective in a way that is significantly augmented, but it can have a really unique artistic impact, which again, part of that storytelling can allow you to really play into whatever that emotion is that you're trying to connect with. Now, can you talk a little bit about filters and colors <laughs> and what they all yeah. mean? So, I mean, mama loves a good filter, okay? Let's just, we don't wake up looking, I mean, anything remotely like what we show up on camera. Um, but that being said, I don't want to over filter, whether it's me as a person or even an environment. We don't want to over filter. But of course, again, when you're taking things, especially on a smartphone, 
it, like you can never capture a sunset on a smartphone, right? Like it's like, it's this beautiful pinks and blues and, and oranges and it comes out on the camera and it's like gray. And you're like, really, really? Like there we might want to use some filters and really bump with some colors, but most of the time we don't want to over filter too much, but you can always change your contrast, right? Bump up that contrast to really make a bold statement, like really get those deep, dark lines and the deeper contrast to make that bolder, more kind of, you know, come at you, you know, feeling versus you reduce that contrast and you mute down. It's going to be softer. It's not going to be as harsh. That's going to tie into your storytelling. Saturation, same thing. Bump up that saturation, boost those colors, bold, loud, excited, you know, get the reds and the blues and everything's popping off the screen versus a more subtle pastel, calm, right? Like all of these things play into the image and the corresponding feelings, emotions, and story that go along with it. Um, obviously Instagram has a bunch of filters. You can use external tools as well. There's a lot of different things out there that even just regular editing apps or anything like that, that can add filters play with something that works for you. My general advice is to pick a style that is consistent. So for example, I put everything in a cool tone. It's a lot of blue in my life, right? And I like a cool tone. I rarely use a warm filter unless it's something outdoors where I do want to bump up that kind of like the reddish, the pink, the yellow, for some reason, I'll put a warm filter on it. But almost everything I use, I use a cool filter. So do that consistently. You don't be alternating back and forth with all of your content where sometimes it's cool and sometimes it's warm and sometimes you're doing black and white and it starts to become disjointed. And again, we want to keep that unified theme and style with our images. So picking a few filters, whether it's on Instagram or another tool that have a similar style and that kind of color tone that, you know, similar levels of whether saturation or, you know, um, shadow levels, any of those sorts of things, then you can kind of from there do the additional editing to get the feeling that you want out of the photo. And then you also want to tie it into your branding, right? So if you're yeah. a bold person, you're yeah. going to use bold colors, right? Well, that's why like, I always tell people, I'm like, go look at my Instagram. It is a lot of bold. <laughs> yes, I would imagine. <laughs> I'm like, that's what you're going to get, right? Like, I can't, I love those beautiful, airy pastels and light, bright, airy images. And I'm like, honey, I can't do light, bright, and airy if my life depended on it. Like, I can't edit a photo to look like that. And I think it's just because I genuinely can't, like, I'm a very light, happy person, but my style is bold and I like the dark colors and the deep saturations. And that's what my content reflects. So it does tie in, like I said, to your brand, your style, you know, and if your brand is, you know, pastel pink, don't be coming out with like, you know, bright red and like neon green in your imagery. That's going to contrast. <laughs> so the rule of thumb is don't confuse people. Be who exactly. you are on every platform in different ways. And that, exactly like the color scheme and the style that you have on Facebook, that you have on Twitter that you have on Instagram, that you have on your website, that you have in your email newsletter should all be consistent. Even if it's just picking two hex codes that are consistent in each of those, then in certain areas you have some flexibility, but we want to pick certain colors that are unified across all of your content, whether it's in, you know, 
the, the banner images, whether it's something that's in your logo, something that is in that type of filtering that you're putting on your images, props in the images, any of these sorts of things, we want certain colors that are consistent to show up in all of those, not every single post, but consistently that if someone went over to any one of those platforms, they would recognize it as being on brand. So you're basically where's Waldoing yourself. Yes, exactly. And so like fun fact, I started doing all my Instagram stories in a very specific way, right? So when they're text only, it is the pink gradient background. It is the neon font in white or maybe in pink. And it's like, this is how I do all my stories. And I actually had people message me when they see someone else's story and they were like, oh my gosh, this person totally ripped you off. Like they're using your exact font and style on stories. And you only have like seven options. So the chance of someone else having the exact same configuration as mine is pretty likely. But I've become so consistent in that styling that now it's not even subliminal. It's like in your face. This is Jen Herman's style. And then when someone else does it, people are actually recognizing, oh my gosh, like I thought it was Jen. So it really is about creating that consistency that people now recognize out and about where when they see that image, they're like, hey, that's so-and-so's content because it has your style to it. And I'm like a branding, like a uh, puzzle wrapped in an enigma. So you, we've known each other for a while. So blue is my power color, yeah. which you know, you know, blue and blue. <laughs> and then my book came out and it is yellow and red. So not blue, but, and this I always kind of think is really funny. My childhood bedroom was the same colors as my book. Oh, really? Like my publisher could know that? Of course they couldn't. One of the things that I've had to do is kind of marry the yeah. yellow with the blue because when I did my first presentation after my book came out, it was like all the dark blue. And, and then boom, yellow. <laughs> exactly. So I had to, I made the background is the yellow but I still have my blue tones in there. So I kind of cheated and merged it, but that works, right? Absolutely. I mean, even I've gone through, I've had this logo forever. I mean, I've had that logo now, I don't even know how many years, six, seven years I've had that logo. And it's my color likewise is blue. I've had blue glasses forever and I have the blue logo and my website has a lot of blue. But in recent years, I've started moving into pink and purple as well. So my slides, when I do a presentation, have pink, blue, and purple. And my newsletter now has pink, blue, and purple. So I've moved away from what was kind of a single color, even though maybe in slightly different tones. But I started mixing in these other colors, which are more on brand with where I am in my style and then the content that I'm creating today, which is fine brands evolve, right? But it is good to like merge them a little bit, right? Like, like just like you did, right? Okay, well, we have this, we have that. How do we merge them together and allow them to really work and complement rather than just showing up one day with something totally different and your whole audience being like, whoa. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about images. Is there anything else you want to add about what type of images that you like to use other than and you take the photos and you have your, your backlog. Anything else in terms of types of images that you like to use or recommend people use or let's get on that. Get a lot of photos of yourself. 
We hate photos of ourselves. Okay. I hate photos of myself. We all do. You would not know it to look at my Instagram account, but that's because I've learned through analytics and years that people will respond to a photo of me. For a lot of people who are their brand, which is most authors, you are your brand. You are literally your name. Even as a blogger or a podcaster, you are your brand. And you need to have your face out there. So do a photo shoot. If you can't afford to hire a photographer, see if you can find a student from a university who's willing to do it in exchange for, you know, the portfolio experience. If you have a a child, a friend, a cousin, somebody who somewhat likes photography, have them do some photos for you or pay for a photographer. And most of the time you're going to get what you pay for. And you can pay anywhere from a few hundred up to like a thousand dollars for a single session. So it doesn't have to be a huge investment if you can afford, you know, even three, four hundred dollars to do this, to have a shoot, multiple outfits, not one outfit, and in different environments, ideally. So even if you do it at your home, like do some in your office, do some in the yard, do some in the living room, like, you know, do them in kind of different environments so that you have a log of content about you. So these are things where you can now, you know, do the remove background and you can use that for promotional content. You can have an image and you can put text. So don't have all your photos where you're perfectly centered in the screen. Get the ones where you're off center and you have room to like do a text overlay. Play with different, you know, options, but having those again, just like having all these other pieces of content available when you need them, those allow you to do those promotional shots, to do any things that you're doing for your brand. And if you want to do a quote or a meme or any of those sorts of things, you have your own content with your face on it. But people connect with you as your brand. And you're going to need to put your face out there. So you're going to need to have that content. Ideally, do a photo shoot every couple of years if you can. Again, it's not a big investment. I know people that do them every three months. And like they do like mini shoots, right? Like a half hour shoot. And they do them every three months. And they just constantly have more, you know, photos to choose from. So everybody has seen my hair grow because I've been doing the live show for the last year. And now I know I still use my headshot. I know it needs to be replaced, but I look, I confuse people. I think that's my new brand is I'm confusing people because my hair is now. Well, and this is the thing, right? Like it's one thing when your hair is a little bit different, but there's nothing worse than going to a conference or meeting somebody that you've known online and you see them as a profile photo for years. And then when you meet them in person, they are 30 pounds heavier, 10 years older, totally different hairstyle. Like, look, there's no filter in real life. Like you look at these people and go, oh my God, I did like, you literally can't recognize them even though they walk right up to you like you're a best friend. So it really is important that you do have those photos regularly. And my photo is, I think mine was 2019 when I had mine done. And so I'm actually getting ready to do another round of photos right now because they really should be updated every couple of years. That being said, obviously things change slightly in between, but for the most part, have something consistent and and relatively recent for your profile photos. It's very funny because I've had people run up to me at Social Media Marketing World and give me a hug because we had known, and I'm sure this happened to you as well, they had known me online for so many years. And even though they just met me, you know, back when we used to go to conferences and hug people. (laughs) 
Exactly. They'd be like, Deb, it's good to see you. And it would take me a minute because I always looked like my picture. And sometimes the people I met did not look like yeah. theirs. And what is your feeling on selfies? Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Depending on your brand, your messaging, your purpose, I'm all for them. I mean, you could even get a really good selfie as a profile photo if you really wanted to. It's it's totally possible if you have the right lighting and, you know, that sort of thing. For things like Facebook stories, Instagram stories, you know, those sorts of things, selfies are great because they fill that space and, and they can serve that purpose. I don't think every photo on your social media should be a selfie by any means. I think that people need to see you. And that means a distance shot. That means you sitting in a chair and seeing your whole body, regardless of what size or shape you are and how you feel about it. People need to see you and not just from the neck up. So selfies are fine when used in concert with other aspects of your photos and images on social media. But obviously a good selfie here and there can do wonders and they're quick and easy, especially on that day when you're like, Perfect makeup day, get in front of the window, take the photo, document this, because I'm going to need to use it. <laughs> the balance. Right? The balance. Exactly. And, I, and I'm, I'm still trying to, to negotiate whether I'm ready to see real life people or if I need an in-between photo, which I think is the route that I'm going to go in. But I've had people recently say, it took me a minute. I had to look at our email interaction because you know you don't look like your picture anymore, Deb. And I'm like, yes, really? I know so that. Because I know you, like, and I've known you in real life because I don't think you look that different. Thank you. So as long as I just hang out with people who knew me <laughs> before my hair got long, then I'm good <laughs> using the headshot from 2000. Can you talk a little bit about stories? Because, and I've admitted it is the one thing that I have not done. Yes. Why convince me? You're asking the girl who doesn't like them to convince you to like them. Yes, uh, and here's the thing in full you. transparency, my audience knows this, everybody knows this. I don't like stories, I have adapted to stories. I will use stories. I do not like reels, I do not like TikTok, I do not understand this world. I feel like a freaking grandma who's like, What is with this technology? Um, I just don't like them, but I am, and that's probably part of the reason you and I are like this. I like to read. <laughs> I don't like short form content. I don't like video content. I like to read and I want to scan and go through and read something at my own leisure and get to the point that I want to get to in the article. And videos for me are very difficult because I'm like having to start and stop and jump ahead and then go back. And was that, did I miss what I needed to hear? And I, I it's very hard for me to listen to a video straight through. So as a result, stories, which are really short videos, it's like, again, it's a video content. You'd think I would like it because it's short form and it's easy to digest, but it's almost like, you know, people are trying to put too much into too short of a period of time a lot of the time. So I tend to feel like they're overwhelming and I just don't consume this type of content really well. Now, all of my personal opinions aside, stories for the most part are some of the highest converting content out there. And the reason why is because of that attention span. When we're scrolling mindlessly through Facebook, we're not paying close attention. 
when we are just scrolling through Twitter, we're not paying attention. We may catch glimpses of something and stop and pay attention, but we're not giving it our undivided focus. We're listening to something over here. We're glancing up. We're, you know, half paying attention with stories because they are short form anywhere from six to 15 seconds worth of content. You're honed in. You're listening to that video. You're watching that that you know video play through. You're reading that text on that post. You're giving it your undivided attention, which means it has higher recall value than most other content out there. Meaning if you ask somebody what they saw in a story, they're more likely to remember all of that content than something they saw on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, that sort of thing. So it does tend to perform really well. People do tend to drive a lot more conversions through stories. Not everybody, but in general, they tend to drive those higher conversions where people are willing to take that action. Oh, I saw that in that story. I see the, how that product works. Absolutely. I want it. Like take me to link kind of thing. So a hundred percent try them. I tell everybody at least give them a shot. Now that means four to six weeks of dedicated time and attention. We don't get to try them for like three days and go, nope, it didn't work. Because if you haven't created them, your audience isn't looking for them. And the algorithm doesn't know what to do with you. So you need four to six weeks of time for algorithms to adapt, for your audience to adapt, and for you to see what is working. Is it when you do three stories or is it when you do five stories? Is it when you do one post? Is it when you do something consistently for every 24 hours? Is it when you only do it a couple times a week? You need to test all these things out and you can't do that in one week. So you have to give yourself the time, play with the different features, all the different, you know, stickers, options, add gifts, add, you know, little emoji things, add, you know, the countdown sticker, the, the poll sticker, do all these things that drive up engagement and see if they work for you. Because for most people, they are absolutely going to work. And I just finished working with another author client that I have. And I was like, all the things, right? Like all the ways you could use this, but I'm like, give sneak peeks, like, like do a reading of an excerpt from your book. Um, or, you know, do something where you do the story and you show it, but you've like colored over the screen so they can't really read it. And then you like can like slowly erase it so they can actually read like what is coming up in that next ex excerpt or chapter. There's like so many fun and unique ways that you could actually really make stories a really fun part of it. But you do have to see what other people are doing, find some inspiration you know, get motivated by it and get comfortable using them because it is a change if you're not used to creating stories. But honestly, stories are the future. This is what we're doing. Short form vertical content is the future of social media, unfortunately. <laughs> like it or not, give it a try. I think one of the most, you said a lot of really good things, but I need to call out that you said you don't do it for three days and stop. Anything, and I think this applies to anything on social, yeah. you need to give it some time. Yeah. And that's if people are like, oh, I'll test it for a week. I'm like, what's that going to test? What if you, what if your whole audience is on spring break the week that you test it? Or what if your audience is more active in certain months of the year and the month that you chose to test it? is when they're least active or most active and you get an unfair bias one way or the other, you need to really test over time. And in my opinion, I'm, I'm a bit of a science dork, but 
everything is a test. I'm looking at my data from a month ago, from six months ago, and from a year ago, because 2020 was the outlier of all outliers, right? Like we used to know my audience, they commute Monday through Friday and they're on social media, listening to podcasts. You knew when your audience was online. Well, 2020 came around and they were like, ha ain't nobody commuting anymore. Now what are they on social media? So we saw spikes when we used to see lulls and we we saw way more activity than we maybe did before or vice versa. And so knowing those trends, being able to say traditionally, you know, Thursdays are my peak day. Traditionally, mornings perform better. Traditionally, short form content is better. Traditionally, written content is better. Whatever it is, you can't know that unless you're constantly looking at your data. And that doesn't mean every day, but at least once a month, looking at those trends and seeing, do you peak in certain months of the year? All these sorts of things. It's always a test because things are always changing. I feel like we should also address IGTV. <laughs> do we have to? Yes. Well, no, we don't have to, but doesn't it feel like it would be an omission if we did not talk about Instagram television? We we will talk about it. Um, you know, and, and the challenge is, of course, Instagram keeps pushing it. We keep hearing about it because they want us to hear about it because nobody's using it. And I don't mean that in the sense that nobody's using it. There are people on there, absolutely. The problem is it's still a standalone app. So even if you see the preview in the feed and you watch those 15 seconds, then you click that keep watching, it's technically opening it in another app app. Even if you haven't downloaded IGTV, it's still kind of, it, it's integrated, but it's not really integrated. And that's why stories were so successful. It's why reels are so successful because they're in app. IGTV is not in app. It's an external feature and people don't want to leave and go to IGTV. And it's also longer form content, right? It's, so it's one minute up to, well, I think they've extended the time frame, but up to 60 minutes and then they're, they've started to extend it here and there. So you've got that opportunity for that long form content, your podcast content, your live video repurposing, your tutorials, your behind the scenes, your you know live um, recaps, any of these sorts of things that you wanna do, you can put those on IGTV and they are meant to be searchable nobody's going to you to IGTV and searching. They're going to YouTube, right? Like if you're looking for the answer to how to fix a leaky faucet, you're not going to go to IGTV. You're going to go to Google, AKA YouTube and Google how to fix a leaky faucet and find a YouTube video. You're not going to find an IGTV video. So it works and you should have IGTV content because if you don't, then they're never going to show up in search. But I tell my clients most of the time not to overinvest. Repurpose content where you can and or put content up there once a month. So make a dedicated effort to create one video a month exclusively for IGTV purpose. But then don't like overfocus from there, right? Let that kind of do its thing. If people are going to find it, they're going to find it. Put, you know, a good cover image on it. Take the time to share it to your feed. Don't, you know, ignore it. But Unless your audience really loves video and they really love your videos, IGTV is not likely going to be a huge return on your investment. So for, so for something like a live show, 
does it make sense because I upload to YouTube to also upload to IGTV? Yeah. I mean, you've got the content. All you have to do is, I mean, anything over 10 minutes, you do have to upload via the desktop because mobile devices will only allow you to upload so much, right? And a, a file of that size would just probably blow up your, your smartphone. So anything over 10 minutes has to be uploaded via the desktop. But yeah, I mean, and I've done that. I put some of my YouTube videos on my IGTV channel. And honestly, yeah, like if, if you've got the content and you're already uploading it elsewhere, why not throw it up there? You still want to create it like a cover image, which has to be a vertical you know, image. So you have to figure out your templates and what that's going to look like. Um, and then, of course, they keep changing where the text shows up and everything. So then your templates get all messed up. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is worth putting a little bit of time into developing that template. And then all you have to do is just put in the text for whatever the title of the video is and upload it. And at least that way you have content there. It is searchable. It's possible to show up in people's, you know, um, search results or recommend like recommended videos if they're going through kind of the explore type feature um, on IGTV. So yeah, if you're doing it, absolutely add it to Instagram. Wonderful. Something else to add to my yeah, personal exactly. goal Just list. Thanks, one more thing to do. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> This is, well, it's great. And I honestly did not expect to have such a great takeaway from IGTV, especially after that face you made when I asked the question, but good. I'm glad we covered that. And it's honestly, well, the reason I make the face is because it really is, they're trying so hard to keep this thing alive that they keep making so many changes. So it becomes hard to keep up with it in the sense. So I like, I won't do a course on it. I won't do a video on it. I'm like, I, because everything I say tactically changes in a month because they're constantly revamping the platform, trying to keep it alive and resuscitate it and, and generate all this activity that it just never really picks up in that way. So it's hard to give people strategy around IGTV right now. But it's a very good point. If you're doing, if you're like me and you do live videos that you upload to YouTube, spend a little time, make another, another template. Yeah, just a thumbnail. It's fine. <laughs> and, and then, and then try that avenue. So why not? Yeah. Now you used to be big Pinterest girl too. Yeah. It's been a hot minute though. Um, I know. I know. I actually had somebody who's going to help me with my Pinterest account and, um, We've, we've taken a pause on it for, for other reasons, but it, I did, I used to do a ton on Pinterest, you know, and, and I did love it. Um, for me, it wasn't really much of a traffic generator though. And I've seen the results that other people have with Pinterest, you know, and they're driving tens of thousands of, of website visits. It was just, it wasn't providing the value that was best for me and where I was going with the brand and the time commitment to put, again, create more templates, put more content up, do all the links, do all the details and information. So I just kind of started waning off to the point where then I just kind of stopped doing it. Um, but yeah, it, it is, again, with all things social, right? You got to pick pick your battles. I mean, you could be everywhere and never have a minute left to do your job. Um, or you can be selective and go to the places that tend to work best for you and your business and take advantage of, of those, you know, few optimized locations. And that is another incredibly important point to make. You can't do everything. <laughs> we no, want to try. You can't. But it, it's just not sustainable and then also work. Yeah. And that's thing, right? Most of us have a job to do. 
and then also do our marketing and do our content and do all these things. If you have a team or an employee or a VA or somebody who's helping you, then you can add more to, you know, the arsenal of, of attack when it comes to all your social media and all the content and putting everything everywhere. But for most of us, there's only so many hours in the day. And you're like, as it is, I've only got 10 minutes. Like, how much damage can I do in 10 minutes? So you definitely want to be selective. I usually tell, you know, people... Pick the two platforms that are most relevant to you as a user and to your customers as a user. So if you're most comfortable on Facebook, but your audience is more likely on Twitter, then Facebook and Twitter become your focal points to get started. As those gain momentum, as those get comfortable, as you master those kind of foundations, then you say, okay, now let's add an Instagram or LinkedIn. And then as that third one becomes, you know, a little bit more self-sustaining and manageable and the foundations are there, okay, now you can add in a fourth one and you may never get to the fourth one. That's okay. It's really about going where your audience is. You do have to be where they are, even if that's not where you want to be. And then also pick a platform that works well for you as a user and your brand that you feel comfortable on because it, the reality is if, if I turned to you and said, you have to be on TikTok, that's where your audience is. And you were like, I can't, I can't stand TikTok. There's no way in God's green earth that I'm going to go on TikTok. Well, then maybe a compromise would be Instagram with stories and reels, right? Like, because if you absolutely despise a platform, you're never going to create the content. It's not going to turn out well. It's going to look forced and it's never going to serve your audience in the way that it should because you don't want to be there. So sometimes we have to find a bit of a concession to get comfortable with going where our audience is. That's a, and this is why I started my Twitter chat because I big on Facebook, my Facebook group for right on online has been going for, for years and the page before that. And then it was one of those things where I'm like, there are a lot of people on Twitter who will not touch Facebook. Yeah. So my Twitter chat was born. And then a year ago, when we all got sidelined by, you know, <laughs> the universe and the pandemic and what have you is when I started my live show. And it's really been that kind of a progression, which I think is a good example. Do the yeah. one thing, do the next thing. And through exactly. everything, I've always had like the LinkedIn, because I think everybody should be on LinkedIn at least <laughs> a little bit for that sort of thing but as far as the other platforms you can it could be your entire life easily Absolutely. i mean even instagram alone could be your entire life if you wanted it to be i mean they keep adding all these things and i'm like it takes me an hour to make a 15 second reel i'm like mom ain't got time for this people like seriously stop but that's the thing if you wanted to if you wanted to create videos for everything and you were you know doing video shoots and doing like you could invest hours upon hours every single day to your content and your strategy and your engagement and all the different places to put up the content and building the templates and doing the visuals and absolutely it could it could literally take an entire you know team to manage your social media and the reality is most of us do not have that time or budget to hire people to do that amount of work so you start where you can and you build from there Start where you can and build from there. We have to like repeat that five more times. But no, I think <laughs> right? I think the two is good. I want to go back a little bit to images because that's yeah. where this whole conversation jumped into. What are your favorite tools for creating and using images? 
I'm not gonna I, just completely honestly. Instagram. <laughs> I will go to. I will take a photo that I took on my phone, and I go to Instagram and I edit it on Instagram, and then I just save it to my camera roll, and then that's. That's why I don't even post on Instagram. I just use the Instagram editing tools, which sounds really bad, but it's convenient. I know the filters over there, um, and it has more editability. So I'm an Android user, diehard. Sorry, all you iOS users, but I also love that Android has so many built-in editing tools. Even you know, Instagram has even more. So they've got the ability to go in and actually, you know, do the saturation, do the contrast, do the hue, do the warmth. Like you can do all these right within Instagram and really create a beautiful image, save to camera roll and not actually, you know, publish the post. So, or even in stories, sometimes I'll do that. I'll go into stories and use one of the filters in stories to get the feature like or the style that I want, download it, and then that's what I upload to Facebook or whatever. So though I do most of those things, like I said, either natively within the Android editing tool or Instagram. Um, there are, you know, a ton of other ones out there. Obviously, Easel and Canva are great for templates, adding text, adding, you know, imagery. Um, I love both of them. They both basically do the same thing, E-A-S-I-L for Easel and then Canva. Everybody's I think is probably familiar with Canva. Um, but those again allow you to go in and, and take something that someone else has put together really quickly, you know, or really um, strategically for you to easily just go in and be like, boom, pop in some text. You can, or take your image and put it behind now a frame or something like that. So those can be really good as another means to take your your visuals if it's not just a photo, but a visual to the next level when you need that help. Yes, you don't have to look too far. You have your phone. You yeah. have your pictures, and I'm Android too, so <laughs> high five you. Yes. yes. Stop stressing out about it. Can you really mess up a picture? Is there a way? There, You can, um, but again, it depends. I mean, over-editing can ruin a photo, right? Like, if you put too many filters on something where now when you go and look at it on, and that, it's hard to right? Cause we look at something on our mobile phone, which has a certain resolution and a certain size and certain color tone. And you're like, this is beautiful. And then you upload it to Facebook where it's now the size of, you know, your 28 inch monitor. And you're like, oh, what happened to my photo? <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> because you over edited it, right? Like our, our cameras take high res, high quality, beautiful images that we just want to enhance. We don't want to over edit when you start putting in like those super high level edits or filters, it distorts all the pixels in there that when you do make the image too big, it really does show that that's a heavily edited image. Now, if that's your brand and that's your style, you know, some people like those, you know, you can get the certain filters that make it look like it's a cartoon, right? So it's got like the dots and the lines and it, it adds context and, and texture and everything. Great. That's your brand. but on average, we don't want to over edit a, uh, an image and make it so that it's distorted and unrecognizable as a high quality image. And it kind of ties back to the beginning of the conversation when we we're talking about colors and style, figure out your style or go to your brand and see what makes sense and stop stressing out so much. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, like, you are your brand, right? If, if your images come through and they're a little bit more muted than, you know, ideal, or if they aren't as edited as they could be, that's okay. It still becomes your brand and your brand will evolve over time. I mean, if you scroll through my visuals 
or Instagram's easiest place to do it because you can see all the content going back quickly and easily. But my style has evolved, right? How I've edited my photos, how I've styled my photos, that evolves over time. And that evolution is a part of your brand. You don't have to be perfect today. The brand you are today is not the brand you're going to be in five or 10 years. Even the big brands, Nike, Coke, and all these, you know, organizations that have, you know, a, a logo that they've had for however many, you know, dozens and dozens of years, their brand still evolves, their taglines evolve, their imagery evolves, their messaging evolves. It's all part of branding over time. And so if your images aren't 100% everything you want right now, that's okay. Get them out there, start creating the content. And then as you get familiar with more tools, you get more comfortable with it. Now you start to feel like, oh, this is really consistent. I really like this filter, or I really like when I shoot at this angle or whatever it is. Now you're starting to establish your unique you know, style and aesthetic, which again may evolve, but it's all part of the journey. This sounds like a really good time to give a bonus goal. So <laughs> what is a really good, let's give a couple. So let's give a goal for someone who's like me, who needs to do more <laughs> with images. And another goal for people who are very active to up their game. Okay. So for somebody who is, you know, not doing a lot and needs to do more, I would say set a goal to do, you know, maybe it's weekly, but to go out and create a beautiful image once a week right? So get in the habit of going out and taking photos everywhere you go. Now, you don't have to post this image that you take. You don't have to put it on Instagram or Facebook if you don't want to. But if you've gotten the habit of creating one well-edited image a week, within four to six weeks, this is going to become routine, right? That's that, that testing period again. So get out there, take a photo of anything, a flower, a sunset, your meal, architecture, clouds, I don't care. Take a photo of something, do some editing on it, and then think about how you would use that image. So one of the examples I often tell um, people is if you, let's say you have a beautiful image of a sunset. Great. What are we supposed to do with this? Well, you could put sunset up on Friday and say, as the sun sets on another super productive week, I am looking back at all the things we achieved and I'm so excited for what I'm going to be showing you next week in my upcoming XYZ. So you take something that is unrelated and you tie it in with your messaging. But if you didn't have a good sunset photo, then it would just be like, so another busy week. And oh, by the way, we have something exciting next week, right? So it'll help kind of spur some of that creativity in terms of figuring out how to tie in the messaging of an image into uh, what your overall business goals are. I love that. And, and the image in my head was like the empty cup, coffee cup. Okay. Yeah. I've done my allotment of coffee for the week. Look at what I brewed up. Yes. I love it. See, same thing. Maybe, maybe <laughs> if I stop sleeping, <laughs> I will have time for getting sucked into Instagram but that's like, how easy that was like your cup of coffee is sitting on your desk, right? All you have to do is maybe move it slightly towards like a logo, take the photo <laughs> and there you go. You have no idea how many photos I take sitting in this chair with my logo behind my head. It's super easy and quick, <laughs> but it's branded. It becomes consistent. So, and then like I said, just figure out how to tie in that messaging. Not everything has to be that literal of a tie in, but it's a fun, quirky way 
to take what was an unrelated visual and tie it into your messaging that you have going on. Fantastic. So let, let's give a challenge yeah. to those people who are already Instagram-tastic people. Yes, I made <laughs> up another word. Instagram-tastic. So for those ones, for people who are already using a lot of visuals, I would challenge them to see how well are you keeping your images consistent across your platforms? So are you super active on Instagram? Are you using the exact same images on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter? Are you using different images? Why? Because I don't want all your Instagram photos on every other platform. But if they're not the same, are they the similar tone and style? Are they conveying the same message? Do they look similar? Are you pulling stock photos on Facebook and using your own photos on Instagram or vice versa? So if you are active in creating those visuals, do an audit across your social media to see how well your visuals and your images are translating across all of them and staying brand specific. That's perfect. Image audit. Yes, so exactly. Image starting, image library, image yep. creation, image audit. And guess what, you you wonderful lovers of images, you can still do the basic goals. And the newbies to images has something to look forward to. <laughs> and even in that case, go do an audit as well, right? Like you can audit and say, wow, I'm really not using images or I'm using more images than I thought on Twitter or on LinkedIn or I'm never using images on LinkedIn. Everything's a link preview. Maybe I should look at a way to work around that. So even just going in, if you want to, and just do an audit wherever you're at and see how often you're using images or where you could insert more images in place of just a text only or a link preview or other options that would maybe give you more opportunity to give a larger visual space in that feed. I think the photo shoot should be a bonus bonus goal. Yes. Make sure you have up-to-date images because you want to look like yourself. You yes. are your brand. You are. And it's so important to have those images. Again, whatever stage of the business you're at. My first photos were like, my, my husband at the time took mo a bunch of my photos on my smartphone. You know, it was like, we went and sat in the, the business center at my apartment complex and he took a bunch of photos of me and that was my first round of photo shoot. I didn't pay for it. They weren't great, but they worked. It was enough to have something. So again, start where you can and build from there. And I was going to ask for one final tip of advice. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Or do you want to come up with um, something and One of my favorite like all around tips is just to have fun. Like, especially when it comes to your visuals. I mean, when they're so carefully plotted and staged and organized, they kind of come through that way, right? Like how many times do we see the photo and it's like to, to flash your cheesy smile and you're like, oh my God, they look like, like, versus that just genuine happy laugh that like you got the three chins, but you can see how happy you are in that photo, right? Like we all hate those photos but they're beautiful because the real emotion is coming through. So whether it's on the photo shoot, whether it's coming up with your creatives, have fun. Think about what makes you smile when you see those images. Like 
maybe playing with colors, put a puppy in the photo. I don't know. Do whatever you can so that you're having fun because if you're having fun with that content, your audience is more likely to have fun. And that's that social component of social media where people don't want to be sold to, right? They don't want all the corporate jargon and everything thrown at them. They're there to tune off and and maybe catch a little bit of highlight news, but they're really looking for entertainment. They're looking to socialize. And when you have fun factor content, even if it's not a fun topic, but if the images are good and convey that happiness and that lightheartedness or any of those sorts of things, it can really pull the reader in. So make sure you're having fun. That is my favorite word. (laughs) So I love that you gave that tip because it doesn't matter what you're doing. You should be loving whatever it is you're putting out to the world because the world, the world knows. Yeah, exactly. They know when you're forcing it out and they know when you're doing it, you know, because it was like the check the box, you know, post to Facebook today versus because you're like, oh my gosh, I just read this article and it was life changing. That's what people want to read. Not here's another great article. Like, (laughs) well, I think you and I are both blessed with personality that that shines through. (laughs) So if you don't feel that way, give yourself a break and allow yourself to be more genuine because that's what's going to make the difference. Jen, this has been so much fun. Can you believe we've been talking for an hour? I know. I just looked at the clock. I was like, oh my God, it's been an hour. Where can people find you? I'm everywhere around the world in the interwebs as Jen's Trends, Jen with two N's. So jenstrends.com is the website, J-E-N-N-S underscore trends on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse, and YouTube, and all the places. Um, go to Facebook if you are interested and search Jen's Trends in social media. You'll find the Facebook page and you will find the Facebook group. The Facebook group is the place where I share all breaking news related to Instagram. So if you want to stay on up on the up and up, or the uh, Facebook group is the place to be, but it's also just a great place to come and ask social media questions about anything you've got going on. It's where everybody comes and hangs out and has fun. And it's a really good, safe community to learn all things social. Jen, thank you so much for spending your time and energy and sharing your enthusiasm for all things imagery and Instagram today. Everyone who's listening, thank you so much for joining us. Go out there set some image goals, set some Instagram goals. You don't even have to think too hard. We did the work for you (laughs) and just have fun and go for it. After talking to Jen Herman, I started uploading my goal chat lives to IGTV. You can find them at the dev method. And also I put up a profile picture that actually looks like me. Yay for Instagram goals. This podcast is heard along the marketing podcast network for more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.